Hello, welcome to the Tri-City Voice podcast. Coming up, Newark is a gem, food waste part two, items from the calendar, and the greatness of one mall. But first, my boss wanted to know where people went to relax and get away from it all. To his credit, his immediate follow-up was, no one is going to want to tell you where their secret spots are just so you can send a bunch of listeners there. He was right. So when I went out and asked people anyway, I made them a promise. I've been thinking about this question quite a bit because as soon as I am getting through my workaday world, I need to go where I see things have been in time and place longer than I have and give me a longer point of view that this will be something that we will be able to get through together. I need to look at nature. I need to look at something that's been far more permanent than, than I ever will be. I need to see water, I need to see greenery, and I need to see very big trees. You can actually get down to the where the wind is whipping off the water, you can still see planes coming in, but you can just see pickleweed, you know, and waterfowl, and no phones will be ringing. Uh, and you can kind of see that there at the where the world starts to go towards the Pacific, um, we are all connected. Some place where that you know about that maybe not too many people know about. And why do you like it? It's a beautiful scenery, great view, and uh, a lot of solidarity. I would probably have to say... It can be indoor or outdoor. Not a lot of people are going to be there right now because it's a very... uh, it's like a jogging trail, if you say, but not a lot of people have been there lately. But the local places around here, there's uh, which you could actually go down and sit down. It's an open area with fresh breeze and you've got water and everything, nice scenery, so you can sit down. And what do you like about time. I'm a person of water, so rivers, anything that's flowing, nice, you know, that's natural. Great. I really don't know anything other than that. Besides, um, you probably take a little uh, walk on the path uh, by a... Uh, there's a nice uh, trail over there and uh, good parking and everything, so... That's great. Yeah, so it's away from a lot of crowd and most people... Each week, we read a few items from our It's a Date calendar of events, found in the Tri-City Voice newspaper. Wednesday, March 18th and Thursday, March 19th. Documentary and panel discussion. Screenagers growing up in the digital age. Wednesday, 6.30 p.m., Thursday, 5.30 p.m. in Spanish, and Thursday, 6.30 p.m. in Mandarin, San Lorenzo High School. Check with the school to see if the event has been canceled. Thursday, March 19th, Hayward Nonprofit Alliance Meeting, 10 a.m. Tom Highland will review trends in giving to nonprofits. St. Rose Hospital, Hayward. You should check to see if it's canceled. Saturday, March 21st. Fabulous Fishing Fun, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Fish with a Naturalist, Gear Provided, Hayward Shoreline Interpretive Center. Here, you should probably call to see if it's canceled. 510-670-7270. Sunday, March 22nd. Crime Fiction and Contemporary Society. 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Three local mystery writers will discuss what crime fiction can teach us about contemporary society. Castro Valley Library. Again, 
you should probably call to see if it's canceled. 510-667-7900. In Newark, I visited the annual Mineral, Gem, and Jewelry Show held inside the Newark Pavilion. When my family got there, the first thing we did was crack open a geo. My name is Beth Farmer. I'm uh, one of the shop managers, um, and uh, our, we have a workshop, a full workshop, a lapidary workshop in uh, Hayward by the Hayward Airport. Uh, this organization, Mineral and Gem Society of Castor Valley, was formed in the 40s, and uh, we probably have the best workshop in, uh, I'd say, in Northern California for sure. Lots of saws. We do. Uh, we can make um, cabochons, we can make, we do casting there, we also fabricate, do basically anything in that shop that a professional jeweler would do. It's made out of agate. Bunny! Look at the bunny! Look at the bunny! <laughs> so can I get your name, um, the name of your uh, booth, and uh, where you guys are originally located. So my name is Chad, and my girlfriend Haley helps me out. Um, our shop name is Earth Tools. Um, we're based out of Oakley, California, Far East Bay. Um, been open as a business for eight months, slowly growing. How, um, how's business been going today? Um, it's been slow, but right now there's a surge of people in here. It's just kind of out of nowhere. It's like a, a, a tidal wave of people came in. Um, What's your favorite? My favorite is these uh, fluorites, these, these cubic, really geometrical pieces that come out. Why? Just because it's really, really fine, really small, detailed geometry. That it's, it's amazing that, you know, that comes out of the ground. Right there, that blue one, it looks like Jupiter. Oh, yeah. This is a great big spot. Wow. It's beautiful. Well, I'm carving jade. Uh, I'm a member of a, a club that uh, the, you know, they're giving applications to. And I started out here, and uh, it just kind of, you know, they teach you how to do a basic cab cabochon. And then uh, they teach you how to do silver casting, and then you kind of just take off on your own. I mean, I, I started carving jade. You know, the first piece of jade that I got was <laughs> I'm gonna turn it out because it's making noise. But uh, yeah, under the light, it's just kind of a honey. Oh wow! Yeah, but it fluoresces. So they mine what was there. Can you tell me what this machine does? Well, I'm grinding one piece into another piece, so I'm using this machine for that, so that it'll fit. Oh wow, exactly. Or like this. That's pretty. Finished piece. See, it's, a, say it's not mine, but that's the general idea of what Natasha is. 
so these two pieces rub yeah. themselves together until they fit exactly and for some reason this machine is not doing what it should I haven't displays. We always have our show here the first weekend in March. We have an online presence. To find out more, including the show dates for next year, email info at mgscv.org. And because those letters all use the same sound, again, that's mgscv.org. Next up, part two of our two-part series on food and the environment. Last week, we spoke with members of Fierce about their sustainability dinner. This week, we speak with a Fremont teacher about American high school and what they are doing to reduce food waste. Sure. My name is Julio Navarrete. I teach Spanish, and I'm the advisor of our environmental club at American High School called Science and Eco Club. And I've been connected with uh, both the city of Fremont and Stop Waste since I started at American High five years ago and I know the relationship goes even before that. Why? Um, what, is there's, it, what, what is it that you want to achieve? What is it that attracted you to it? Right, so when I, when I came to American High School there was already a really strong environmental club and I saw, I've always been passionate about um, working towards environmental sustainability so I saw it as an opportunity to support the students and the teachers who were involved at the time. Uh, one big area of need that we saw at our school was reducing the amount of food that goes to waste. This is a huge issue. Uh, I was spending a lot of time in the cafeteria and sort of monitoring uh, what students would do with their food at the end of the lunch period. And a few students from Science and Eco and myself noticed that a lot of the food that students were taking from the cafeteria line they were tossing in the landfill bins. This is a huge issue because we know that food in the landfills create methane gas, which is a really potent greenhouse gas. So we decided to reach out to Stop Waste and try to get some guidance for how we might be able to solve the issue. Uh, with their support, we learned about food share tables. Can you uh, briefly explain or summarize what a food share table is? Sure. So when students go through the cafeteria line, they are asked to take a certain number of items that are uh, mandated items. And sometimes students don't want to take or they don't want to eat everything that they've been given. Maybe they don't want that fruit that day or the milk or um, whatever it might be. Uh, instead of throwing that food away, there's a, a cart or a table um, that has ice packs and clear labels and students can go and deposit their food there. So if other students in the school maybe forgot their lunch or want a second helping, they can go to the food share table and take whatever has been deposited there. At the end of the lunch period, cafeteria staff bring the food back. Whatever can be uh, reserved like fruits um, or unopened items gets washed and, um, and reserved the following day once. Um, but most of the food that we were collecting, because they're hot entrees, cannot be reserved. So that's the food that we were donating to our local community. 
We organized a meeting with our district, our administrators, and received approval for a pilot for a food share table during the 2016-17 uh, school year. Uh, we also, uh, through that program, were able to collect data amount, about the amount of food that students were in the past discarding. Um, and we decided to donate that food to our local community food bank, Tri-City Volunteers. That first year, we were able to donate over 1,200 pounds of food just from our single school. Uh, we continued that partnership the following year um, and getting our uh, Child Nutrition Services program or department on board uh, to expand food chair tables to every single elementary, middle, and high school in the district. That's now a reality, so a lot of food is being saved. In this little corner of the podcast, we're going to take a break from the news and learn from local historians. Except this week, the local historian is a news broadcast. In September of 1994, the Great Mall opened in Milpitas. This story aired that night on Channel 7 News. And with that, the Great Mall opened its doors today, offering the promise of an economic boom. Built on the site of the old Ford Motor Company plant, this monster outlet mall is expected to generate $350 million worth of annual sales. We had an empty plant here, and clearly it wasn't doing us or the community any good at all just to sit here. So we've had a creative idea to make it into a really big discount mall. The largest outlet mall west of the Mississippi, to be exact, 1.5 million square feet of retail space. But some urban planners are concerned that monster malls like this might be a nightmare for small businesses long established in other parts of town. Maybe it could be a nightmare. It might, like once again, I said we don't know. Competition is healthy, so we don't see any problem. No, we'll see more walk-by and drive-by traffic, so that might be a good thing. Now, while the jury is still out on the impact of the great mall on downtown Milpitas, it is expected to provide the city with an extra $4 million in sales taxes and eventually 4,000 jobs. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter and get this show a little bit earlier than everyone else, you can find me at Andrew Cavett, A-N-D-R-E-W-C-A-V-E-T-T-E. The Tri-City Voice podcast is now available on iTunes, Radio Public, and Spotify. The Tri-City Voice newspaper is produced by What's Happening Tri-City Voice. The editor-in-chief is William Marshak. The director of operations is Sharon Marshak. The newspaper is put together and distributed by a bunch of awesome people whose names are worth reading in the opinion page of each issue. This supplemental podcast is produced by Andrew Cavett. Studio space provided by Audrey Lover of Cat. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thing you can do for us is tell other people. Goodbye until next Tuesday when we do this all again.